Hey there, my name is Jeffrey Rickman. I'm a pastor in the Global Methodist Church, and I have a daughter named Susanna. Say hey, Susanna. Hello. How are you feeling this morning? Very nice. Yeah, yeah, we started on a, uh, this is our catechism series that we're doing. The whole intention of this is there's a, a book of catechism that uh, has been published for the Global Methodist Church, a catechism of the Christian faith and doctrine for the Global Methodist Church. You can get this from Seedbed if you don't know it. And uh, we've got some copies of this. We've also made some slides for your edification, and we are going to be going through this content one question at a time for 77 weeks, and you're going to get to see Susanna grow in knowledge and stature. You're going to get to watch me grow as well, because I have not memorized these things either. But the, the hope here is that you too can join your children and grandchildren in talking about the most meaningful things in life. So we hope, Susanna and I do, that you will use this series to, to get ideas about how it is that you can talk about the most meaningful things and bring young ones in your life to uh, a more practical and deeper knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're always going to begin... Uh, after a brief introduction with uh, me quizzing Susanna, we learned question one last week. Susanna, uh, do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is seen, of all that is seen and unseen. Of all that is seen and unseen. So, and we, we uh, for those of you who, are, uh, who haven't gotten to watch episode one yet, we went through all the different scriptures and why it is that we can be so confident about that language. So if you haven't seen that yet, go back to episode one. But Susanna, that's good enough for me to be happy. Are you ready to go on to, to question two? Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's look at the screen and we've got a slide pulled up for everybody. Susanna, could you read question two for everybody? So the question is, who is God? And the answer is, God is the one true, holy, and loving God, the eternal spirit, the holy trinity. All right. Pretty straightforward. Are you familiar with this word trinity? Yes. Okay. What's your understanding of how what the trinity is? The trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost together. Together. So... Do we believe in one God or three separate gods? One God. Okay, that's there right. There are three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the third answer in the catechism I learned. Yeah, so Susie has already been established in a, a catechism called the New City Catechism, which I also highly recommend. It's uh, uh, reformed in nature, but it uh, is set to music as well. I don't think just one catechism is, is... I mean, maybe the Global Methodist Catechism is sufficient, but I think it's good to have uh, knowledge of multiple catechisms, honestly, and to understand the wide range of uh, theological dispositions in response to the gospel. So, um, Susie, are there any questions in this that... Or are there any words in this that you're not familiar with? Eternal... Yeah, do you know what, do you have a guess what eternal would mean? Forever lasting. Yeah, that's a really good uh, concept. Yeah, without beginning or end. Yeah, so... Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Yeah, so was God, was there ever a time 
when God did not exist? No. Okay, so he is without beginning and without end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so the he is the eternal spirit, the holy trinity. Can you tell me what holy means? Not really. Okay, so holy na- holy has to do with God's nature. Sacred is another word that is very close. Have you ever heard that word before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, sacred, mean, sacred means, like, meaningful and precious. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so there are many things in life that can be meaningful and precious, but nothing is holy if it's not rooted in God. So God, His glory, His righteousness all inform His His holiness. And... uh in many ways, holiness means to be set apart. So you have the normal world, which is fallen and and falling apart. Does God fall apart? Mm-mm. No. Does God die? No. Well, a little bit, but then he rose from the dead, right? Mm-hmm, but Jesus. That, but that was only in flesh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so as a spirit, yeah, God cannot die. That would make no sense. And then can we die? Yes. But can we be holy as God is holy? Yes. Yeah, we can. So then the notion there is that because God is holy, we are called to be holy. And when we're holy as God is holy, by the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, then we can be made eternal with him in our resurrection bodies. Okay, so we'll talk a lot more about that. Um, Is there anything else about this question that you want to address before we go on to our scripture readings. Um, let's let's go on to the scripture readings and then we can come back. You'll think of it. So the the purpose of these scripture readings now is to buttress whatever we've encountered in this question. So we're going to hear things probably about God being holy and living, eternal and holy. So let's see how how much that that fits together. Um, Susie, would you go ahead and read this first scripture reading? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Very good. So how many gods do we worship? One. Okay. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. They are the same in substance, equal in power power and and glory. glory. Oh, yeah, you remember that. Very good. Okay, so... Um, this is something that confuses a lot of people who aren't Christians because they hear us say that God is one, agreeing with Deuteronomy chapter 6, but then they hear us talk about there being three gods, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we already talked about this. Are they three separate gods or are they one God? One God. Okay. There's a word that we encountered in one of the articles of religion last week to talk about how the three together in one are one God. Do you remember what that that word was? Wasn't it Trinity? Well, so Trinity is is the the main word we have for that, but also when we're talking about the essence that all three share in, that word is Godhead. So we'll we'll review okay. that word again here in a little bit. Let's go on to the next scripture. Read that to us. Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, 
be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Good. All right. So what was what was that concept of holiness that I, I gave you just a minute ago? What does holy mean? Usually it's set apart. Okay, so it's a notion that not like this world, it's not fallen and falling apart. It's something pure, something good, something worthy of worship. And so whenever it says here that, uh, who do you think is talking saying, be holy because I, the Lord, am holy? God. Yeah, God. He says, I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So holy is his nature. He's set apart from the world. He's worthy of worship. He is not at all stained by sin. And so he's saying that we should be holy like him. Can we be holy like him? Yes, sir. Okay. So that's what um, a lot of, this is one of the things that's different about Methodists. Methodists preach holiness and sanctification. They teach that by the power of God's Holy Spirit, we can be holy like him. Not all Christians believe that. They think we can grow in holiness, but we can't be holy as God is holy. Now, that's not to say that we are deserving of worship. You should never worship anyone other than God. But that is to say that when you walk rightly with the Lord and you have his Holy Spirit in you, you can be holy like he is holy. Is that something that you want? Mm-hmm. Good. Why do you think, do you think all people want to be holy? Not as God wants us to be holy. Yeah, yeah. It's clear that not all people want to be holy, but should all people want to be holy? Yes. Good. Now, here's a hard question, and we'll come back around to this in future questions, but do you think you naturally, as you are, want to be holy, or do you think that God gives you that desire to be holy? Well, in the Bible, it says that God lets us choose. It sort of says that. There is a whole family of believers called uh, Reformed Christians or Calvinists that believe that, that we don't have any choice at all. We actually also belong to a tradition that says that we naturally can't decide anything. It's only once God touches us, wakes us up, that then we can respond to him. But actually, there is no such thing as free will or an ability to choose God until he touches us first and makes us able. So that holiness that we're called to have, we cannot have unless God gives it to us. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Are you ready to go on to the next reading? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. When he is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. What do you think of that reading? That's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. scary. What's scary about it? The earth trembles. Yeah. Yeah, what does tremble mean? Shake. Yeah, shake like you're afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the notion is that God, whenever he comes to earth, the mountains melt the the trees come alive the earth shakes um the is, trees come alive what do you mean yeah that's 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 scripture yeah yeah the isn't the tr- that a metaphor i don't i don't think so the trees of the field shall clap their hands when he goes forth with joy uh that's a that's a prophecy about when christ returns to earth and how the creation will come alive yeah so um 
there's a belief that Christians and Jews have had that um, that all of creation is uh, capable of more life than we currently see, and that when uh, there's a new heaven and a new earth, that everything is going to be more alive than we see here and now. And so maybe it's a metaphor talking about the earth trembling, um, but it's also possible. Okay, so in Revelation, you know that book? In Revelation, it describes um, uh, uh, a woman fleeing from Satan and the earth opening up and swallowing this uh, flood of water that's coming after her to kill her. And so the notion there is that the creation plays a role as well. All of creation is is groaning for uh, God to, to come back and set everything right. So there are different parts of creation that uh, we think of as not alive, but they are alive. And one day we will see them come alive in a big way, kind of like uh, the Ents in Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Ents, but they won't be... Mm, they won't have... They will have more arms. Oh, you think? Uh-huh, because trees have lots of branches. Oh, okay, okay. All right, well, um, let's... Is there anything else in this question that that you want to remark on? Or in this scripture? Eternal. Yeah, we talked about that. It means never-ending, right? Mm-hmm. Without beginning, without end. All right, are there any other things in there to talk about? Not Ra- really. Wrath. Ooh, what is wrath? Rage. Okay, rage and wrath are pretty closely related. So are they happy emotions? Super angry emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and violent, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, when, does God have, does God have wrath? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I I thought God was all love, right? No. Okay. So yeah, when we read the scriptures, we do see that God loves and He is love, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that He doesn't also get angry and have wrath. All right. What what is God wrathful about? What's He angry about? Does God have any good reason to be angry? Uh, we don't listen to him when he tells us what we can do to follow him. Yeah, we don't. So in Hebrew, whenever people disobey, it says they did not listen to his voice. And so has God told us how we ought to live? Yes. Has God told us what we ought to believe? Yes. And yet do most people live the way they're supposed to live and believe what they're supposed to believe? Okay, and that is what makes God angry. Is God right to be angry? Yes. Yeah, okay. And, and he's also sad. Who's sad? God. Yeah, he's disappointed, he's upset. Yeah, it's it can be a holy thing to be upset and disappointed and even angry. Anger has, it's a very hard thing to do anger right though, okay? So that's why it's important to have parents that model righteous anger for you. The The Bible says be angry, but... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The, go ahead. So what does that mean? Don't let the sun go down on your anger? Mm-hmm. It means don't stay angry all the time. 
It means that anger is a, a normal and it can be a holy response to evil, wicked things. But if all you ever are is anger, if you hold on to your anger all the time, that's going to poison your spirit. Okay. Yeah. So uh, here it's talking about God uh, being angry and the earth trembles. Is the earth right to tremble when God is angry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because God is scary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, you might remember that from reading Proverbs. All right, are you ready to go on to the next scripture reading? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Good. Why do you think that one is in there? What does that have to do with, here we've got the original question, who is God? God is the one true, holy, and living God, the eternal spirit, the holy trinity. What did that have in common with this reading from Matthew? These are the words of Jesus. So He's saying, baptize people in the trinity. Very good. Yes. Okay. The Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are some people who say that the concept of the Trinity is not to be found in the Bible, that it was made up later. And it's true that we kind of put some doctrinal formulations together around it that are not explicitly spelled out. But when you look at this scripture here, it's very clear that we're baptizing them in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, yes, very good job. And so what what do you think that means to baptize people in the name of those three? Why do you think it's so important to do it in all three names of God? Well, in the Bible, Jesus says, said, when you are baptized, you die with me. Mm. And when you come out, you have risen. Good. Yeah, you've heard me preaching on Romans and in Colossians. He also, Paul talks about that. So that is why it's important to have a relationship with Jesus because it's he who died, defeated death and sin and rose and our heritage is in him. But what about the father? Do we have to have a relationship with the father to be saved? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is the eternal living almighty God. How on earth could we be saved? without having a relationship with him. But we can only have a relationship with him through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the gate. No one goes to the gets to the Father except through me. So we have to have a relationship with the Father. We have to have a relationship with the Son. Do we have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah, because why? What does the Holy Spirit do? Can Do you have a notion of what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of believers? Hmm. Well, in the Bible it says... The disciples prayed, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them as flames of fire, and they started preaching the good news even to the um, in different languages. Ooh, yeah, so it gave some supernatural abilities, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, does the Holy Spirit do anything else other than help us speak in languages we didn't know before? (laughs) Yes. What else does the Holy Spirit do? I cheat. He gives us visions. Ooh, yeah, the the Holy Spirit can give us visions. Can he give us prophecy? Yeah, messages from God. Um, In fact, Christians believe that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit 
that we can even lift our prayers to Jesus who sits at the right hand of God and brings them to the Father, that without the Holy Spirit, we can't properly pray to God. There's also a belief that the Holy Spirit is what makes us holy, that that God the Father up in heaven, that Jesus, that they're not actually with us in that sense. It's only the Holy Spirit that's with us in that way, that's in us, and that's warring against our sin and helping us to be holy as, as God is holy. So does it sound like it's important to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah, so what, what a, a, a classical Christian would say, an Orthodox Christian would say is, you cannot be saved unless you are baptized. You, li- you die and are raised again by the power of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's why one has to believe in the Trinity in order to be saved. If someone only believes that Jesus is God, but they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is is God or that he's not God as much as Jesus, or there's a lot of people who believe that Jesus was less than the Father. He's not God in the same fullness as the Father. If you believe in anything like this, you have to believe that all three are equal, all three are essential, and unless you believe that, you don't know the living Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go on to the next reading. Can you read that to us? Mm-hmm. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God. The only true God. The only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, so does this have anything to do with what we were just talking about? We were talking about God is eternal, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so can humans live eternally? Mm-hmm. It okay. says eternal life right there. Yeah, it does. It does. So what is eternal life? How do we have eternal life? Does it say right here? Through God. That they know you, the, the only, only true, true God, and Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, whom you have sent. sent. So we were just talking about how essential it is that people know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can't know who Father the Father is and who Jesus is without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So it's saying you have to have all of these things in place in order to be saved. So it's that important. Anything else you want to ask about this or uh, any other thoughts you're having before we move on? written by uh, it was the last uh, gospel Uh, yeah John yeah it was probably written last we don't know for sure but it's the last in our Bibles right so um, here it said that God is living didn't it and in our scripture readings it has talked about God being living and I haven't hit on that yet what is it? Okay, yeah, Jeremiah 10.10 10 said God is living, right? He you is see that? the living God. He is the living God. And then have we had any others talk about how he, he, okay, so this one in John didn't say he is living, but it's saying if we want true life, life living, then that has to do with God because God is the living God, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean when God is the living God? We talked about it just a second ago that he is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. He has no beginning and no end. Yeah. What's the opposite of living? Ending. 
Mm. Am I alive right now? Yes. What's the opposite of my, when I stop being alive, what will I be? Dead. Yeah, that's right. So does God die? No, but Jesus Christ in flesh died on the cross for our yeah. sins. God has tasted death through Christ Jesus, but God does not die. In fact, he's had victory over death through Christ Jesus. Let's go on to the last scripture reading, in fact. So can you read this one from Hebrews to everybody? Mm-hmm. How much more than will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Cleanse our consciences consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Does that make any sense to you? So this is obviously in the middle of a thought. It's talking about something, and then it gets into how much more then will the blood of Christ, does Christ's blood, is that important? Mm-hmm. How is it, Christ's blood important? It atones for our sins. Okay. Did he ever shed his blood for us? On the cross. Okay. Yeah. So he took his our sins upon him, and he shed his blood, which now covers our sins, and we're justified. So this blood of Christ that he has shed now through the eternal spirit. What spirit is it talking about there? The Holy Spirit. Okay. So we're talking about the importance of the father, the son and the Holy spirit in our salvation. So we understand the importance of the father and the son, but here it's saying it's through the eternal spirit that Christ offered himself unblemished to God. Do you know what that word unblemished means? No. Okay. Unblemished means, uh, perfect without any default or defect. So Christ was unblemished, and that means that he was perfect. There was nothing wrong with him at all, and that's what makes it so that we can be cleansed. It says, cleanse our consciences from acts. Do you know what your conscience is? Not really. It's kind of like your moral slate, uh, how you feel on the inside, and if sin is holding on to you. uh, Are you familiar with sin? Is sin something that you've ever experienced? You know how it makes you ashamed and guilty and feel dirty? Mm -hmm. So whenever Christ Jesus' blood is applied to you, is put on you, whenever the blood he shed is put on you, then that cleanses away all that shame and guilt. And that's what it's talking about here. It's because he was a perfect sacrifice uh, for us that, that his blood is enough to atone for all of our sins. So it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that that sacrifice that he made for us Uh, is connected to us, applies to us. And so finally it says, so that we may serve the living God. Does that intersect with our question at all? Mm -hmm. How so? Um, Where is the question? God is the one true, holy, and living God. Right, yeah. It says it right there. God is living. So this is something that's found all over the scriptures, that God is living and that it's our job to serve him, right? Mm -hmm. But we can't do that service to him until the Holy Spirit applies the blood of Jesus to our hearts. You see how this is all connected? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else that you think we should talk about before we're done with this particular episode?
Okay. I'm going to read just one more time. I'm going to read the question, and you read the answer. Susanna, who is God? God is the one true, holy, and living God, the eternal spirit, the holy trinity. Okay, so next week when you and I sit down, I'll ask you question one and question two, and you'll have both memorized, right? Let's see if I do. Yeah, you will. We'll work on it together. So, um, and that'll be a closing encouragement for you if uh, you've decided that this is a worthy thing for you to talk about with your kids. Uh, As I've said in a previous episode, it's good to try and memorize it. So go ahead and don't have any shame about throughout the week if you see your child or grandchild or niece or nephew, whatever, uh, asking them these questions. Children like having these things at their command. It's good for them. And so uh, whether you're having a shared meal together or going to the park together or driving together, quiz them on these things because these words will take root in them and then seep into their mind and their heart and the way they live. And that's the whole point here. So we appreciate you spending time with us. Susanna, any closing thoughts before we say goodbye? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, pray for Susie. It's a lot of content to cover, and you can tell she's got a good basis, but connecting all these dots is really uh, a worthy task. Most adults really struggle at this, so you adults make sure that you're committing these things to your hearts and lives as well. If the Global Methodist Church is to have any integrity as a, a grassroots movement of people of faith, it's really important that we're able to talk about these things in an educated fashion. So we appreciate you spending time with us. Susanna, say goodbye. Bye-bye. All right, we'll see you guys next week. God bless you.